Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Right. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello, films to be buried with crew. I hope you're all fantastic. This is your producer, Buddy Peace, checking in on behalf of your regular host, Brett Goldstein. Just to keep you posted on what's happening with this episode and perhaps a couple more episodes in the future. As you'll likely already know, due to the ongoing SAG AFTRA strike, we are temporarily on pause and you will have seen and heard a few Rewind Classic episodes, which hopefully have been hitting the spot whether you caught them first time around or otherwise. The Rewind Classics are essentially re-released episodes, but I've gone back and sifted through them to give them a bit of a polish and a little trim here and there where necessary. So they're a great chance to catch up on some past shows from our archives with guests you either know and missed or perhaps some you've yet to become acquainted with and would enjoy. This week, in an episode originally aired, I believe, on Boxing Day 2019, Brett is joined by the long-term show friend Nish Kumar. Nish is a celebrated comic, host, commentator, podcaster, and so much more. And as you will see from his many awesome appearances on Films To Be Buried With, is always welcome in our house. So you know you'll enjoy this look back in time, a wonderful live episode. It was recorded in person, in front of a great crowd at London's BFI. And I was in attendance up in the projection booth, actually doing some projecting. I was in charge of displaying the appropriate images for each film, which, okay, wasn't actual projecting. But I did feel pretty important for about an hour or two. Anyway, it was a lovely show, and it did conclude in some delightful sing-along action, but that will be cut short in accordance with Brett's original request, as his mic was the only one picking up at that point, so you basically have something verging on a cappella karaoke, which is a risky proposition at the best of times. For those potentially unaware, this podcast is also available on Patreon, in an ad-free incarnation, along with, in most cases, a full extra section only available to subscribers, and video options too. It's an awesome way to get much more from the podcast and support the work that you enjoy. So if it's something within your means, it's a really nice thing to do. Check it out at patreon.com slash brettgoldstein. 
Don't forget to check out Nish Kumar's special, Your Power, Your Control. There'll be a link on the description for this episode. And also the podcast, Pod Save the UK, a regular podcast which he co-hosts with Coco Khan. And again, uh, the link for that will be in the episode description. So enjoy episode 273, which was originally episode 76, a live Rewind Classic edition with the fabulous frequent visitor and show homie, Nish Kumar. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I am a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a chestnut roasting on an open fire, and I love films. As John F. Kennedy once said, if not us, who... If not now, when? And if not The Godfather, then what is the greatest film of all time, objectively? Man, even JFK thinks it's The Godfather. I can't believe it. You're all against me. Every week, I invite a special guest over. I tell them they've died. Then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Ricky Gervais, January Jones, Kevin Smith, and even Ed Gamble. It's amazing. (laughs) How did I get him? (laughs) The odds. It makes me feel like I must be a big deal. Um, (laughs) This episode comes live from the BFI with this audience. (laughs) Woo! But it's not a normal app. This time, me and my guests will both be sharing answers to our films of the decade. Then the audience will share some of theirs. Then we will do a sing-along to a song from the actual greatest film of all time, Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) Fucking right. So, tonight, my special guest, he's been on the show before, he has died twice in my arms. But, tonight, as a Christmas miracle, I'm bringing him back to life. He is reborn, he's a comedian, a writer, a mass reporter, Piers Morgan's secret crush. Please, welcome to the stage, Mr. Nish Kuba! Hello! He lives! I've bought my own clipboard. <laughs> For people listening at home, Brett has a clipboard and he's the host, so that's normal. Bit weird that the guest has brought a clipboard. Even weirder that I brought it from home, just to look really official. You had clipboard envy, it happens. <laughs> yeah. um, now, Nish, thank you so much for being here. What a treat. Uh, before we start, right... You might not know, when, when I record these, I usually record them privately in my house or whatever, and I will say to the guest, you know, I don't want to make you look like a prick. Like, if, if you say something you regret, we'll just say, we'll cut it. And if I ask you anything too personal, just say, can we cut it? And we'll cut it. But, um, or, as sometimes happens, we do the podcast, I think it's absolutely fine. And then you and I spend two and a half years getting uh, weird tweets from people going, Woody Allen technically wasn't her stepfather. That is true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you, have, you have to think to yourself, if you're reaching for the line, he technically wasn't her stepfather, you've already lost the argument. So because we have witnesses tonight, <laughs> I guess we need a safe word. So if I say anything that makes you uncomfortable, just say bread rolls. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so we have... <laughs> So it's a big one tonight, isn't it? Exciting. It you is and me, a big one. films of the decade. Now, the, the rules... Third, this is part three, isn't it? This is part three. You've come back to life. Uh, last year we did films of the year, but this year we're doing films of the decade. Now, some of you may know, I'm very strict on this. I mean, technically, this is bullshit because the decade has not finished and none of us have seen Cats yet. <laughs> so... Has anyone seen Cats? 
So whatever we say oh, this, is, this is moot. This, sorry, there's one person who has seen cats, and she currently has her head in her hands. <laughs> so, I mean... But she has been that way since she saw it. <laughs> she, she's now doing a motion where she's sort of cutting her own throat, <laughs> which, I mean, is one of the worst reviews of anything. <laughs> um... <laughs> So this is films of the decade up to December 19th. Yeah, so we haven't seen Little Women. No, Little Women we haven't seen. We haven't seen Cats. Um, <laughs> so, oh, shit. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh. Oh, Nish. <laughs> Fuck me. What is it, Brad? Uh. Brett, whatever oh, this news Nish. is, uh, whatever this news is, it's really taking its toll on you. Uh, I've forgotten to tell you something. Uh, it's mental. I didn't tell you this. Given everything we've been through, you've come <laughs> back to life, everything. <laughs> Fuck, I'll just say it. Uh, you've died again. You died <laughs> again. Listen, the thing is, uh, I know that it seems weird that I keep coming back to life, but ultimately, I was raised a Hindu, and this is just. <laughs> You are the only guest I could do this with. Yeah, this is just reincarnation. We have like 500 gods, some of them are blue. It's like X-Men and you can keep coming back to life. <laughs> it's the absolute dream. Uh, how did you die this week? <laughs> uh, this time, I think, I think last time I died, it was because I said I, was, I got run over because I was listening to a podcast, most likely myself on this podcast. Um, I, think, I think this time somebody chucks a bread roll at me, but aims it a bit more accurately than the, without wishing to editorialise, fucking idiot who threw it at me last time, uh, who, uh, managed, who managed to miss me from very close range. Yeah, this time somebody throws uh, a bread roll at me, but it gets me in the eye, right. and I trip backwards and fall off the stage and break my neck. And the problem is there is a sort of palpable air of tragedy about it because I'm a life that's been claimed really by the culture war, but also it's very funny. Yeah. <laughs> the worst so, part is that lot finally enjoyed the game. <laughs> <laughs> it is funny. Yeah, and so everyone it's one of those funerals where everyone kind of has to be like, oh, it's tragic, but at the end of the day, he got hit by bread and tripped to death. <laughs> It is tragic, but let's watch it again. <laughs> I can't believe my death went viral. Yeah. So, shall we start? Yeah. All right. So. Expert hosting. This, this is the sort of authority that can only come with a clipboard. Uh, without that clipboard, I'm nothing. Uh, this. Yes. Kumar. Brett Goldstein. What is the first film you saw January 1st? <laughs> <laughs> 2010. The thing is, there have definitely been years this decade where I've either seen something that came out... I've seen something on New Year's Day or the 2nd of January, yeah. or I've seen something that's released on the 2nd of January, but I've gone... If, I'm like in, if you're in London over Christmas, there's very often like previews because they're just like, well, I'll put anything on. <laughs> there's, there's literally no one here. It's like, yeah. I am legend. Um, <laughs> but in 2010, I was really trying to work out, based on the release dates, what it might have been. My guess, or certainly the film that I saw that was released in January 2010, that certainly left a mark on me, yeah. was A Prophet. I think that's my answer. I think we went together. <laughs> <laughs> great poster. Really, really not great for the podcast listeners. But 
Good film. It's quite an extraordinary movie, and it's sort of about a French kid who is, um, has had a series of offences as a young person, and now he's turned 18, and he's committed another crime, and so he can be properly tried and put in jail. And he ends up going to jail, and listen, as a subgenre of movie, I absolutely love a long film that documents the rise of someone through a criminal organisation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, please. The, the longer, the better. The Irishman. I was erect yeah. for the last half of that film. Oh, I couldn't believe it. The, the, this, the Irishman is basically like, and it's weird that they CGI'd him to look like a baby at the beginning. That's a deleted scene that some of you might not have seen. But it's a subgenre of film I really, really love. And the movie is great. It's a really, yeah. really good film. It's got a really uh, disturbing scene where he has to uh, put a um, razor in his mouth. It, I mean, it. it's one of the most horrible scenes yeah. and like and he has to set up to basically suck a dude off yeah and then ends up stabbing him in the throat yeah and then he keeps on being i don't want to give too much away because they didn't seem to be the universal uptake yeah. for who has not seen a prophet oh don't oh wow that? oh i thought that was a much more yeah popular <laughs> it's, uh... don't worry guys we'll get to the avengers <laughs> jesus scorsese would be turning in jimmy hoffa's grave <laughs> I know what you're thinking, BFI, they'll all be... But no, <laughs> not at all. It's, it's a really exceptional film by Jack Odiard, who's also a French director who, let me tell you, wears some superb hats. And <laughs> it's, uh, he made a really, really great movie called The Beat That My Heart Skipped, which I think was, was before A Prophet. Yeah. Then he made a film called Rust and Bone, which if you go with Rust and Bone, if you are prepared to accept that the crux of this movie is a woman's legs get eaten by a whale. If you are prepared to accept that, it is a very stark and brilliant and really quite emotionally wrought film. Yeah. It's really... Honestly, listen, by the sounds of things, we've got some non-believers in the room. And it plays a very subtle love scene to Fireworks by Katy Perry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It does. I know, I know it sounds like Stick Brett and I... Stick with it. Stick with it. I know it sounds like Brett and I have made up a film <laughs> hastily on the spot. Yes. But, yeah, it is a really... And he has to sort of navigate the kind of racial dynamics of the prison and there's a, the French gangsters and the Corsican gangsters and the movie happens across a couple of different languages and it's an extraordinary film about how someone can go into jail being quite a bad person but absolutely redeemable, and come out of it a proper villain. Yeah. And it's a really interesting character study of how uh, the sort of corruption of an innocent. It's also my answer for sexiest film. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Did you like it? I love it. I think it's fucking brilliant. And it's so tense. I love a film that's really tense, yeah. but long. Yeah, and, you yeah. think, <laughs> and you think, how can I be this tense for so long? And at the end, you're like, I can't stand up. I've been so tense. Yeah, and, it, and, and the thing is, it does ratchet up. I think also because it's a well-made, well-acted film, regardless of how bad this guy's behaviour starts to turn as he kind of rises through the ranks of the prison criminal organisation, you identify with him more and more because you saw him when he was a child. There's a really interesting exercise in building empathy with criminals because you see him when he's essentially a child. And so you have this fondness for him. Mm. And so... There's this escalating tension, and the final, the sort of shootout element of it is absolutely incredible. Mm. It's really great. Sort of spoiled the ending, but it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's really good. It's like The Wire, but slightly quicker. Yeah, um, yeah. 
Yeah, it is. That is a perfect LaWire. Yeah. Uh, Nish Kumar, what was the scariest film you saw this decade? So when I did this podcast, the the normal episode of it, I gave, I think, a very sort of wry answer... But I do think there is a grain of truth in it. And the first one I said was Inside Lewin Davis. And the reason I said it was the scariest film is because if you're, an, if you're in any way a performer and you watch Inside Lewin Davis, you are essentially watching your parents' worst case scenario of how your life could have turned out. And also, I bear a passing resemblance. And I do mean passing, really. <laughs> I do mean passing on the Millennium Falcon at light speed. To Oscar Isaac. Like, I do look a bit like, and I don't wish to toot my own horn here, but a fire-damaged Oscar Isaac. <laughs> like a dented Isaac. That's sort of my vibe. And so, I, I, and, and also I love uh, the music of Bob Dylan, and it's it, it, one of my favourite films of all time. And I did say that that was the thing that... But, I, but you know, I, I don't want to be too cute with some of these answers. Uh, this is really the first... Stop being so cute. <laughs> I can't help it, guys. I'm Lightspeed Isaac. But this is the first decade I've really properly got into watching horror films. You know me. You know I didn't really used to like them because I get too scared. Very easily scared. Yeah, very easily scared. But this is the first decade I've properly started watching horror, horror movies. And I've enjoyed like some of the trashier Bloomhouse offerings. Yeah. I've had a great time watching Happy Death Day to You, oh, which yeah. was is one of the most willfully stupid films. <laughs> and I do truly mean that as a compliment. It is an absolute... If you haven't seen Happy Death Day or Happy Death Day to You, I don't want to use the phrase three colours. But if they do hit a third one, we are talking about one of the great movie trilogies of all time. I don't even know what, like, Happy Death Day 3 me. Like, I don't know what sort of pun they could incorporate into it. But this is the first sort of decade that I've properly really like got into watching horror films. And the, I've, I've really enjoyed the kind of fun, goofy ones. The two that have properly terrified me beyond belief are the two Ari Aster movies. Yeah, correct. So Hereditary and Midsummer or Midsommar, to give it its phonetically correct title. Now, I'll be honest with you. Here's the thing about Midsummer: I am scared of large groups of white people. (laughs) Full stop. If the last ten years, or indeed the entire span of human history, has taught us nothing, it's that when large groups of white people get together, and it's only white people, and they all wear robes, nothing good happens. I think they were fine people on both sides. (laughs) Come on, Nish. <laughs> I love Donald Trump's review of Midsummer. <laughs> Guys, they built that big yellow pyramid, didn't they? That was a feat of construction. Midsummer, I had to watch chunks of it through my sweater because I was genuinely uh, hereditary. I think I found I found hereditary almost sort of more upsetting because hereditary feels like a more I don't know, this Hereditary is so much about the grief of losing people. Also, I will say this for Hereditary, one of the great misdirects of any trailer that I've ever seen. Yes. The trailer makes it look like you are watching a film about the grief of one character and it absolutely missells who that character is. And the first time I saw it 
in my I saw it on uh, I want to say DVD whatever the the DVD that's in the internet whatever that's called <laughs> I saw it on a in DVD a inside in the internet whatever yeah. it is <laughs> <laughs> who says I can't relate to boomers the DVD inside the internet I watched it on one of them and somehow even though lots of people, including you, had seen the film and talked to me about it at quite length, you'd somehow kept the secret of the movie. And it is absolutely incredible when you realise what you're watching. Now, that, all of that being said, Midsummer, I had to stop. Like, I had to physically look away. It made me physically unwell. There is a bit where people... Oh, God. It's people... Is this... How, where are we with spoilers here? I mean, I sort of always say go for it but then i don't want to ruin anyone's christmas so if if you go oh, you just got to put your hand up go, i really want to see that film please don't then what go, go for, for it. it okay There's, okay right. the whole time something has gone awry in this movie and ari aster's fucking life <laughs> during hereditary i actually shouted what is wrong with this bloke yeah something is wrong with this bloke yeah he's not well he no. needs to see a therapist mm-hmm. This shit is disgusting. Yeah. And there is a bit in Midsummer where from the beginning, the image of the way the parents are killed, mm. uh, I, was, I was watching that being like, great, well, that's with me until I die. <laughs> great, that's burned into my retinas. Oh, I'm so excited to have that, to see that flash before my eyes before I meet my maker, only to be reincarnated so I can do Brett's podcast again. <laughs> so already it's the most horrible thing I've ever seen. Then there is a scene where the first time you realise things are really fucking weird, when these two old people essentially commit Harry Keary, and they jump... The way they do it is not like, pop, pop a little pill in your mouth. <laughs> do you know? The way they do it is they jump off a massive cliff onto a sharp rock. Now, face the way first. you see it... Yeah, face, face first. first. Now, the way that you see it is that they, you see them take the step... And fall. And at every point you're going, cut away, cut away, cut away, cut away, cut away, cut away. He's going to cut away. Then they go face first into the rock and it zooms in. And they bounce, they bounce. It is. And some blood comes out as they bounce. And then you think, well, I won't have to see the damage. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you will. Yes. You very much will because Ariaster is not well. Fuck. Like... (laughs) It's fucking horrible. Also, he consistently says it's his breakup film. I'm like, if I'm his ex, (laughs) (laughs) and I watch that, I'm like, I'm so sorry. Whatever I did, (laughs) please don't hurt me. (laughs) You talk to me about Midsummer and Hereditary as someone who I would say has a much better sense of the history of horror than I do. Yeah. What's your feeling about it? Because some people I know who really love horror don't love these films as much or certainly didn't like hereditary as much oh, i think he's he, he's amazing yeah but i think it's because he's got the reason i find it is because he's emotional with them the same thing that happens in hereditary and in midsummer the way he films people being upset yeah. is really upsetting and so then you're just in it you just care too much so when people are getting their faces spiked <laughs> it's like horrible because you've You've you bloody invested now. Yeah, yeah. In Happy Death Day to you, it's a yeah, laugh. Yeah, yeah. It is a Someone laugh. Someone gets their head smashed in. It's like oh, all good fun, but in this, <laughs> there's terrible. a shot in Hereditary when she's in the group therapy, and the camera sort of does this thing where it manages to sort of I don't even know it must be on a crane or something, but it's indoors and it yeah. sort of dives from over the 
top of the rest of the yeah. group and you sort of you sort of slowly plunge towards it's like being on a sort of I mean it's literally an emotional roller coaster. I just realized yeah. it's like I said this. You climb up and then you're sort of looking down onto this sort of stricken oh and what he also, puts ta- what he puts Muriel through. Oh <laughs> that was terrible, Muriel. <laughs> that was genuinely it was genu- Muriel, that was fucking horrible. Muriel Muriel make it Jesus stop. fucking Christ, Muriel <laughs> <laughs> but also, there are points where it almost becomes in midsummer when they're having sex and those mm. old ladies are pushing his butt into the woman. Yeah, that is also funny. Like, it's it, funny. It was weird. It's almost like it's pitched at a tone of such like operatic hysteria that it rides this really odd line between being genuinely viscerally upsetting and also a bit funny. There's also they take acid, and mm. when she's not happy, that stressed me out so <laughs> fucking. Mu- they arrive in this field and her boyfriend, who she's not having a great time with, she's not happy, she's in grief, she's upset. And then everyone goes, should we do some acid? And I'm like, definitely not. And then everyone's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, I feel a bit dark, actually. Probably not a good idea for me. And they go, oh. And then she's like, oh, OK. And I'm like, oh, this is fucked now. I've done acid once. Is that illegal? I don't know. Shh, but, uh, bread rolls. But, um, uh, you can't bread roll yourself. <laughs> and uh, someone made me watch pie whilst on acid. Yeah. I mean, you, basically, 12 hours later, I was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm mad now. For um, I guess this is me. I now live here in mad. Uh, I must call my mother and try to explain where I am. I mean, I was in my room, but I must explain that I'm now, I live in mad <laughs> because of pie. Such a stressful film. Why would you, I mean, I've never done acid because I am very frightened of all drugs. <laughs> but even I know that that is not a good combination yeah. of narcotic and activity. I try these things. It's <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's the title of your that's the title of your new podcast where you do really ill advised things. It's Brett Goldstein with you gotta try these things. Try these things yeah. Some um, discount bungee jumping. Yeah, too easy. <laughs> My uh, scariest film of the decade is the film Wiener. Uh, have you seen Wiener? Wiener is a documentary uh, about a, a New York senator who is running for mayor. Now it is all true. He genuinely could win mayor. He is good. He is good for the world. He is a good senator. The problem is he can't stop sending pictures of his dick <laughs> to people. His human name is Wiener. <laughs> and he has been, at the beginning of the film, there's been a scandal. He sent pictures of his knob to people. He's apologised. He's running for mayor again. New York's behind him. They're like, do you know what? Because you are good for the world. You've just got a little sort of addiction to shiny knob to people. His wife, who seems like a lovely woman, she stands by him on the campus. She says, you know, that's in the past. And he's doing his campaign. He's working so hard. He's good for the world. But he keeps... (laughs) (laughs) He can't stop texting his knob to people. And, like, I think I find it so scary because... I worry. Yeah, I actually, I hate to jump in here, Brett. Um, What have you, um, what have you got to share with the group? What if, like, what I, the bit I sort of want to, I want to say to him, I want to say to him, if this is your thing, and I don't judge, everyone has their thing, text your wife. 
Yeah. Text your wife your dick. It's the same dick as well. I don't know why you think this is new information that you're sending out. It's the same dick. The dick has been on the news. Yeah. And he could win, but he just, it's like, do save the world or text my dick. And it's so close for him. Now, just to be clear, Brett, this frightens you. Just to be clear, and I feel like I'm speaking as your legal representation here, (laughs) but just to be clear, the reason you are frightened of this film is you feel... What if? Through real events. Through real events, you see the dramatisation of the dialogue between a man and his penis. Can you you do well... Aren't we all wiener? (laughs) Brett, I've got to be honest with you. I don't think we're all wiener. (laughs) I don't think this ends with, like, hashtag just we wiener. <laughs> the horror is his wife as well, because she stands by him. She goes on, that he's a good man, and I love him. And at the end of the day, he just loves, he loves it. And the thing I don't get, I have never met a human being, and I will throw this to the audience, has a woman in this room ever enjoyed receiving a picture of someone's dick? No. And yet it keeps happening. Yeah, I don't, I just don't know. I just don't. That's I mean, a I horror. I understand that there are like solicited pictures that are passed between consenting adults. And that's, but that's a different thing. But is there a story out there where you're like, hey, how did you meet your husband? And you're like, yeah. he just sent me a picture of his dick on the internet. <laughs> now, I have, for the record, not yet ever sent a picture of my dick out. I don't understand men who think, I send a dick yeah. when the clear consensus is no one wants it. <laughs> Even if you're going to be mayor. <laughs> but also never the, the time. And then there's like, there's, there's so many layers to this story because in the summer, I first became aware of this because I was watching The Daily Show. That was the summer John Stewart went away to make the film and he was covered by John Oliver, the poor man's Nish Kumar, as he's known. <laughs> by no one <laughs> and he had this whole thing because one of the, the pseudonym that Weena used because I mean when your name is already essentially Richard Dick so he decided to create a pseudonym the pseudonym he chose was Carlos Danger <laughs> and, but the thing is this movie has very very serious repercussions for it which sort of happen after the film ends like you think the film is scary the consequences of the film are arguably even more scary because his wife is a woman called Humra Baydin who was Hillary Clinton's number two woman. Like, the two of them were married. There's a bit in the film where they show a photo of their wedding, and the person officiating it was Bill Clinton. You're like, well, you've never had a fucking chance. Like, but yeah, but Humor Bader's computer was seized because Weiner sent one of the pictures, and there was a picture, and it was, I think it was sent to a girl who was underage. And certainly there was another, there was certainly a problem where he sent a picture while he was holding his child's son. Oh, keep it light, son. So basically, they seized his computer. Uh, they seized Humor Abadin's computer, and on that computer were correspondences with Hillary Clinton that resulted in the FBI reopening in the investigation into Hillary Clinton in the lead-up to the 2016 presidential election. The final round of FBI investigations started because of investigations that began to, into Humor Abadin's computer because of Anthony Weiner's dick. And a that, scary... my friend, is why it is a yeah. fucking horror film. <laughs> And, and so <laughs> I commend you on your choice, Rhett. Bloody hell. <laughs> that took a turn. Uh, right. What is the film that made you cry the mostest? Well, do you want to answer this one first? Are we very okay? Up? You My... and, well, you and I are both criers. Yeah, we're pathetic. <laughs> 
no, no. I think that's not that's not necessarily fair to say. You and I, are men, incapable of expressing our emotions, and so we have to do it through the conduit of cinema. Yeah, and what, what the truth is, when I say I'm pathetic and, and cry, never in front of anyone. <laughs> so what I do is take myself to the cinema on my own, at a time I think not many people will be there, <laughs> sit at the back and cry. Now, the film that fucked me up yeah, yeah. Uh, was Saving Mr. Banks. Yeah, I, I do. I know this about you, Brett. This was a real hard one for you. What it was, was it... What oh, was it about... A, I've seen Saving Mr. Banks. I thought... I understand it, yeah. was, it had some weight to it and I did enjoy it and I thought Tom yeah. Hanks and Thompson were great what was it about it that pushed any, it over any story with a dad forget it I'm done <laughs> add to that Mary Poppins which the original Mary Poppins is about the dad yeah the story of the making of the film about the dad there's another dad that's double dads <laughs> That's Dad Squared. This is Dad. This is Dad Inception. Yeah. <laughs> There's Easter eggs of Dads all the way through it, plus Tom Hanks, who we all wish was our dad. <laughs> that's that's a that's a Dad three. I don't know what three squared. Is. A threesome. A threesome. Yeah. That is a threes up Dad film. <laughs> and in the end, oof, and she and the thing and the songs. And then I was such a wreck that I I, I had a hoodie with me. I had to, I stayed all the way through the credits, couldn't stop crying. Everyone left. The staff came in, and without being a dickhead, this was when Derek, I'm in the show Derek, it was when it was like most on the telly, and it was the time I was like most being sort of recognized. And I was like, oh, fuck. And I put a hoodie, wrapped it around my head, and sort of kept, went out like the elephant man. Because uh, I thought, I look insane at the not getting up, like, and then just shuffling out. Okay. Three dads. Three dads. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, that. I I've mean, really... watch a film, though. Never I've... watch it again. Go on. Have you never watched it again? No, thank you. <laughs> I've called you twice in the past... Uh, this is actually in the last couple of years. I've yeah. called you twice, three times, actually, but twice immediately after I've walked out of films yeah. because I needed to talk to you about how much I cried. Yeah. Uh, it was the Florida Project... <laughs> And Roma. Yeah. I had to call you after the Florida project. Yeah. At least with Roma, when I saw Roma, everybody in the cinema was distraught. And yeah. so it was like, it really did feel like it was fine to walk out. The Florida project, I went to see it with, no offense, a pack of fucking animals <laughs> who at the end stood up and went, yeah, that was fine. That Ooh, was not what? fine. What happened that in that movie was not, it was not okay what happened. It was horrible. We went for a walk together. Didn't we? Yeah, yeah, we really did. When you called, I was like, he's seen the Florida Project. <laughs> I was in a meeting, I was like, sorry, guys. <laughs> Nish has just seen the, the Florida Project. I walked across line, I found him, we held each other. <laughs> it's, but, su it's such a weird relationship. I did it with If Beale Street Could Talk as well, but that yeah. at least that was like, I'd seen that in the afternoon. Roma and the Florida Project, I walked out and phoned Brett because I was in such a bad way. And, and then we saw Marriage Story together. Now... Here's the thing. We saw Marriage Story together. Brave boys. Uh, <laughs> brave boys, because we were next to each other. And it ended, and uh, what Nish said to me was, let's never let our partners see that film. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, yeah, how was... are we going to pretend it doesn't exist? It's on Netflix. And so I have changed the password, uh, and no one needs to know. <laughs> And whenever people say marriage story, I go, yes, tell us your marriage story. And I hope it covers it. Yeah, marriage story is, if you're, it's not great when a film throws all of your negative qualities into one character. 
<laughs> and you can't even offset them by saying, well, at least I look like Adam Driver. <laughs> like, the only thing that I've got in common with Adam Driver is we both have what can politely be deemed interesting schnozzes. <laughs> Couple of absolute odd schnozzes between me and, and the drive meister. But apart from that, very little common ground. What's your film? The Major Cry the Most? So it's this decade. is the thing. These are, I'm weeping constantly. Yeah. Cried through Inside Out. Yeah, you know. Bing well. Bong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. When course. Bing Bong goes off the edge. Forget it. That's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yeah. Toy Story 3 when they're going to Bing the incinerator. Bong. Bing Bong going off the edge is worse than the two people landing face first in a fight. <laughs> it is. A hundred percent. It is. More traumatic. It really that. is. Because at the end, you're like, oh, well, they were part of a weird cult. What yeah. did Big Bong do? Nothing. Big Bong was innocent. Big Bong was trying to... Big Bong did it to save Riley. Yeah. Anyway, amazingly, none of those are the film. The film that I think made me cry at the time and has made me cry every single time I've watched it is Arrival. I think the last five minutes of Arrival should... Like, there should be a bit where the film stops and they go, are you sure you want to see the rest of this? <laughs> are you 100% sure that you want to see the rest of this Do you film? know that Brett is free to talk if, <laughs> in five minutes' time? I, the end of Arrival, and people who have children, I just talking to a friend of mine who has kids, and I was like, I don't know how you got through the end of Arrival. She was like, I, I didn't. I had a nervous breakdown. And here's one of the weird things, is that I have noticed, there was a time when I was, I'm a, we're stand-up comedians, I spent a lot of time on tour in hotel rooms with the internet. And what you do... Where you can there, watch DVDs. Yeah, famously. It's like Blockbuster, but it's in the air. <laughs> I've noticed a weird habit where I get drunk and watch the end of Arrival. Wow. Like I'm masturbating my emotions. Wow. It is one of those things. Listen, I it's am fine. going to be in therapy from January, okay? <laughs> it, is, it is a really weird thing. The end of that, I think that whole film is absolutely perfect. I think the last five minutes are... Who's seen Arrival, just by a show of hands? Oh, Who, keep your hands in the air if you saw the end coming. You knew what the, the essential twist was going to be. Right, okay. Because I that would have really helped me the fuck out. Because <laughs> I didn't see that coming. And, and it, the force of the ending of that hit me like a fucking train. And when you realise what's... There's a point where it essentially... The line when she says, but who is that girl? Mm. From then on, like I was like, oh, oh, God. <laughs> oh, Christ. And the sort of choice... That Amy Adams' character, Amy Adams, greatest actor of all time. I won't hear anything. I don't even want to hear a counter argument to that. Mm. You can all go fuck yourselves. <laughs> the last, the, but the way that the choice that she makes at the end of that movie is the most unbelievably human thing I think I've ever seen in a movie. Like the choice that she makes to know how things are going to play out mm. and still make the decision that she makes. Would you do it? I honestly don't know. Mm. I honestly don't know. It's how I don't even know how you wrap your mind around the enormity of that idea. That if you knew that you were going to have a child and that they were going to be sick and they were going to suffer, do you still make the choice to have... Like, I mean, it's, I have to stop talking about it because otherwise I don't want to cry in front of these people. They've paid. Maybe it's time. <laughs> Maybe it's time, Nish. <laughs> January's still far away. <laughs> 
But the, um, I mean, the whole film is. I I rewatched it for because I we were talking about this, and there's there's stuff in Arrival. The way that it handles the science fiction element of it, there's oh, a one good. line in it that is unreal. Where you get it's one exchange, and you get the backstory of two characters immediately. When Forrest Whitaker, who's an army general, comes in and sees Amy Adams, and they've met before, and they explain how they've met before by him saying. Uh, she's a linguistics expert. He says, you made short work of that rebel dialect. She says, you made short work of those rebels. And you're like, wow, I know every single thing about both of these characters and how they relate to each other and interact in one two-line exchange. And so you're like, of course, a, a person with that level of sort of... Of course, a group of people making a film with that level of skill can sell you on octopus aliens called Abbott and Costello and it somehow be the purest evocation of what it means to be a parent. <laughs> Fucking right. Yeah, clap it. We'll clap it. Hacks is back for season three and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Um, what is the film that uh, you love but most people don't like? Or, to put it a nicer way, the most underrated film? The film that I have the most arguments with people about is not the one I'll say. The film that I have the most arguments with people about is Inherent Vice, which for some reason people seem to absolutely hate. Who? Uh, Show me. Loads of people hate. Do, does anyone in here hate Inherent Vice? Yeah. Uh, people hate Inherent Vice. You're very wrong. I really love Spy. I think that's an incredible movie. And I think that it's, for me, it's like one of the great comedies the last 20 years. But the film that I will say is not necessarily one that's underrated, because in order for it to be underrated, it would have to be rated. Right. I think this is a movie that people have forgotten exists. But in 2010, Alex Garland adapted Kazuo Ishiguro's novel Never Let Me Go. And it came out and sort of died a death. I think it's really, really worth going back 
and read. There's people in the front row who are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, genuinely, it died a death. It has an incredible cast. It's, um, uh, it's Spider-Man. Sp- Spider-Man. Pride and Prejudice. Both, <laughs> Spider-Man, both, Pride both and Prejudice. the worst two versions of those things. Yeah. It's got Andrew Garfield, Kira Knightley and Kerry Mulligan. An education. It's, yeah, an education. Lovely. It's directed by Mark Romanek, who's made lots of very celebrated music videos. And it's adapted by <laughs> Alex Garland, who went on to make... Um, Ex Machina. Uh, Ex Machina and Annihilation. Both great movies. And it really is like... It, it, the, I think the reason it struggled is because the poster makes it look fucking boring. <laughs> like, if you look at the... If you, that yeah. movie, it's just two people sort of running on a pier and you think, fuck me. The other poster is just this like red nonsense with loads of squares of them sort of holding each other's faces. Mm. And I think part of the problem and the reason that this movie, and, and I wouldn't, I, this one I won't spoil because I truly think not enough people have even heard of it for me to get into it. It is almost impossible to explain what this film is about without ruining some of it. It looks like a totally shit boring Hollywood parody of a British film. Like, it looks like the sort of film where people go, oh, yeah, it's a British movie. People talking in a kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, they run down a pier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And at the end, they run down a pier. And we, that's to supposed see. to mean something for some reason. Yeah. Oh, Christ. But it's a completely brilliant film. Whatever you think it is, it is not that. The novel is really very sort of widely fated. People really love the novel. It is a science fiction film in the truest sense of the word. It's science fiction in the way that Arrival is science fiction. Like, it's the purest distillation of what that means. But to say any more would be to spoil the film. And it's amazing because I think it's the best performances any of them have given. And they're, they're such talented actors. And the kind of the sort of supporting cast is amazing. Charlotte Rampling is in it. Sally Hawkins is in it. And she sort of has this speech halfway through where you're like, wow. Okay, because that it sort of explains what the film's about, and it t- totally takes you by surprise. It's a really beautifully written and performed thing. The tone of it is really nicely managed, and it's just a real shame because it's it, it, there's no way to explain what it is without. Uh, Phantom Thread is another film that I think ma- was made to look shit by the publicity materials, uh, but I think oh, yeah. it's really difficult to publicise a film without spoiling it. And this is a movie that ultimately, I think, got fucked by its publicity. And also because it's an adaptation of a seemingly unfilmable novel. I imagine people who like the novel thought, well, I'm obviously not going to see that because it's going to be really bad because how could you possibly film something this complicated? Uh, But I would really urge you all to check it out. I think it's really great. Thank you. Thank you. What's yours? Well, I've got two, but I'll do them quick. Uh, One is uh, The Last Exorcist. Do you see that? Anyone see that? It's a horror film, found footage thing about a geezer who does exorcisms. And he says, like, follow me. He's decided he's going to be good. He's, he's sort of like, I've been tricking people. And he goes, come with me. I'm going to do a fake exorcism. You'll see how it works. And he takes this documentary crew and goes to see this girl who thinks she's possessed by the devil. He doesn't believe in nothing. And he sees the girl. And it's quite scary. She's a bit scary. But he sort of figures out, oh, it's all bullshit because she's doing something over here. And then he leaves. And then he gets a phone call saying, uh, my daughter's like being weird again. And he goes back and the daughter's like doing a fucking spider walk. And he's like, oh, oh. oh a bit like that. And um, Do you think the film got slightly compromised because it's a bold play if you make a horror film mm. and say The Exorcist in the yeah. title? Also, well, I've I, I made a film called Super Bob. The thing, little a fun fact. A great film. Oh, thank you very much. But little fun fact you may not know, The Last Exorcist is one of the biggest influences on Superbob. What? Yeah. 
Because the structure of uh, the last exorcist is basically man says no to something, like, like, oh, I've done an exorcist, but it's not real. Yeah. He gets called back. Listen, mate, it is real. He goes back. He says, no, it's not real. And then he goes back and then he's like, oh, shit got real. <laughs> and in Super Bob, he has to shake her hand. He says, no. Then act right. two happens. He says, no. And then he has to shake everyone's hands. <laughs> That's the structure of the oh, last really? exorcist. Yeah. It speaks to my lack of skill because I moderated one of the Q&As for Super Bob and I didn't really get past that. Most of my questions were, Brett, you made a film! <laughs> Your face was massive! Such a big old head as it, as it is. Yeah. Um, is there a question at the end of this? Yeah! What the fuck? <laughs> that is genuinely what he asked. Um, <laughs> my other one is Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. Now... This what, film, Brett, now, by the way. I walked off, so help me God, I am coming back because of our friendship. This is, is one of the shittest things I've ever seen. If, sure, if you don't like German expressionistic <laughs> art cinema, which is what it is. This is not, how is Batman versus Superman <laughs> German expressionistic art cinema? Because tell me that at any point it makes sense. <laughs> tell me that you're not watching it. Like, I went to see it. I wasn't going to see it because everyone said it was shit. And then one day I was like, I'll go. And I went to the IMAX. And I was like, I cannot believe this exists. Uh, it's the maddest thing I've ever seen. Nothing makes sense. It is as if he got to the... What I think happened is in the Avid. <laughs> he was in the edit suite. He made the film. He said, it's ready to go, press print. But instead of pressing print, he pressed random shuffle. <laughs> and all the scenes got put in a different order. And they went, oh, fuck. And he went, oh, it's too late. It's the release date. We've got to put it out. And they put it out. Scenes follow scenes in a way this your brain no can't compute. So it makes your brain Half the movie stuff. is a dream. As much of Batman versus Superman is a dream sequence as Inception, which is set in dreams. <laughs> But the greatest thing about Batman vs Superman, Dawn of Justice, and sorry to spoil this, but Batman and Superman have a fight. Now, you may not, you may not know this, but making films is hard. It's really hard. And when it's a film like this, this is over 100 million. There's so much at stake. There are so many execs. There are so many meetings that have to happen. What happened was there was a meeting and it was agreed by everyone that the solution to Batman and Superman having a fight is that as they're fighting, one of them says something Martha, and he says, why did you say Martha? And he goes, that's my mum's name. And Batman goes, fuck off, that's my mum's name. <laughs> and then they make up. That is the resolution of the that's film. That's it. What happened in the meeting? Who is in that meeting who is so scary that everyone went, yeah, that sounds good? It doesn't... It that makes sense, it doesn't, actually. It Martha, doesn't make any what? sense. That, that is, is that extraordinary is cinema. Also, can I ask you this, Brett? Yeah, you may. What film is Jesse Eisenberg in? He is in Dash... Dash... <laughs> Dash Batman das versus Dash Superman. <laughs> yeah. They're Dash all in different films. Batman with two ends and Superman. <laughs> I, Jesse Eisenberg plays Lex Luthor like he's a 90s game show host. Love it. Right, what is uh, the... Uh, do you want to do this one? All right. The film that means the most to you uh, this decade because of the experience you had seeing it. Okay, don't get angry with me. Uh-oh. All of you. 
but Avengers Endgame. This is your... This yeah, is... this is actually... Yeah, this is the demographic that I'm seeing. Avengers Endgame. Here's the thing, right? Obviously, there's... This, I think so many things about what Martin Scorsese said about Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's so much that I think about it, largely because I think, you know, first of all, people who get very defensive of them, you don't need to defend these things. They've made a trillion dollars. I think that um, regardless of what level of stature you get to, your opinions shouldn't be carried without impunity. However, on the other hand, it's Martin Scorsese. And if it's about film, he can say whatever the fuck he wants, right? I, I, really, I really think that he's, enti- he's earned the right to say whatever he wants about anything. And I do, I love the Marvel movies, but I do sort of agree that they, they aren't necessarily cinema. I think you have to approach them more as a massive TV box set. And certainly the way that they're run in terms of Kevin Feige being a kind of showrunner is closer to the model of a TV show. Now, that being said... You know, and the TV show, and it allows certain directors to come in and, in a very self-contained way, do really interesting things. Like, uh, I think the first Avengers movie is a really great. It's like the Magnificent Seven, but they're all in space. I think Thor Ragnarok is one of the funniest films of the last ten years, and I think Black Panther is an extraordinary superhero film that somehow managed to like confront colonialism in a way that films about colonialism have managed to not do. People can do really interesting things, and they have this showrunner, and it, it all works out. Now, all of that being said. I saw Avengers Endgame at 7am on the day it came out with three of my friends and we had a combined age of 130. (laughs) And the experience of seeing it Regardless of how I feel about this, I think it's a sort of I think it's sort of an extended TV show. I think this sort of universe. I'm not convinced it's damaging for cinema because at the end of the day, it's good to get people in the fucking cinema, and it also is encourage. It also is giving platforms to some really interesting writers and directors. And if people go and see Thor Ragnarok and end up watching Boy or The Hunt for the Wilder People or What We Do in the Shadows, or if people who like Black Panther end up seeing Fruitvale Station, then that it surely is to be welcomed in some way, right? But sitting in that room when the portals open and feeling a room full of people cheering, it was a moment of a collective experience that is surely part of the reason you fall in love with cinema. Like, you fall in love with cinema for a lot of different reasons, for the capacity of films to sort of shape your emotions and change the way that you see the world. But also part of the thing that we love about cinema is the collective experience. And when, when Black Panther came through the portal, two adult men stood up and screamed Wakanda forever. <laughs> and, like, there was something about that and the, jo- the pure joy that everyone felt in that moment that is inherently cinematic and is... You, you, you watch television on your own. You experience it on your own and then you talk about it the next day in the office or wherever you people work. I don't have a real job. You talk about <laughs> it in, when you're in flying your biplanes. Whatever jobs it is that you're doing these days, right? <laughs> or or, you, or more, more accurately, you go on the internet spend all your time on the internet and then complain the story didn't make sense because you were on the internet. But <laughs> the experience of cinema is designed to be a collective one. And when Avengers Endgame, when I watched Avengers Endgame and had the experience of seeing... Also, I use the Marvel Cinematic Universe as an escapism. And that, again, is sort of part of cinema. Like, I love the fact that you can go to a movie and it can be incredibly moving and incredibly powerful. And I also love that you can go to a movie where a space robot is friends with a sassy raccoon. Like, I... <laughs> That's part of the reason you sort of fall in love with cinema is that it's art and it's entertainment. It's high culture and it's low culture. And over the last 10 years, I have used the MCU 
to escape reality when the internet, when the full force of the right-wing press <laughs> descends on me because someone threw bread at me, and somehow that's apparently my fault. And so I, I don't really delineate that these characters are characters. Now, when, when Tony Stark gets off the ship and he's ill, I'm not seeing Iron Man. I'm going, what's happened to my friend? <laughs> what's, what's, what they, what's everyone done to my January's friend? January's quite far <laughs> away. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but the experience of seeing it the first time, and then I went back and saw it because just through proxy my girlfriend has become infected by these fucking movies so I went back and saw it with her the second time and I, I still thought it was a really fun film but the second time the audience wasn't you know it wasn't day one 7am and so it didn't quite have also it, I don't know how else to say this there's not a whole lot of entertainment that's made for brown people like, at all and the fact that Black Panther exists Black Panther is the closest thing to me as a superhero and I am not black <laughs> That's just the way culture has gone. And so there is, that is, there is something extremely cool about that. And for some weird reason, somebody had sent a memo out, memo out on the BAME WhatsApp groups, and it was an unbelievably non-white screening. It was an anti-midsummer of a room. <laughs> and it was like, it was, there was a real energy to it, and there was a real excitement in experiencing that film, not on my own at home, but with a group of my friends and a group of strangers that sort of did go some way to remind me of why I love movies. I mean, I probably, I say, yeah, I'd say clap it. What's yours? Um, my answer is equally highbrow. I, um, I was, this was a long time ago, I was dating, I was dating this woman and we hadn't been, we'd been, I don't know, not been long and it was like, how many dates is it till you go to the cinema? It's like, you know what I mean? Like 30? Well, for you, it's, it's 50. Yeah. <laughs> But we, we, we had to meet, I had a gigs, whatever. I had to meet her very late. I had to meet her at midnight. We were going to go to the cinema. It was the first time we'd been to cinema together. It's a big test, you know, because if this goes bad, we'll never be together. And if you talk, we'll never be together. <laughs> it's like, it's risky. But I took, we were going to see, I can't remember what we were meant to see, but it was something proper. I'd done my read. I was like, we're going to go see yeah. a good film. And we got there and we'd missed it. We'd missed a good film. And the only film that was left to see was That's My Boy. Uh, <laughs> Now that's that's my boy. Is Adam Sandler's worst reviewed film of all time? It has zero percent on on Rotten Tomatoes. The premise of that's my boy is the the joke premise is that he was uh, he had his teacher played by Susan Sarandon had sex with him when he was a child, and because he's a boy and she's Susan Sarandon. He's a legend, and he grows up to be... And everyone in the town high-fives him all the time. You're the guy who fucked Mrs. Whatever. That is the premise of That's My Boy. Uh, it's a sort of comedy about paedophilia. Anyway, <laughs> so I was like, I don't think... She, and she was like, well, that's the only thing. On, let's go. And I was like, I'm so sorry. We went to see it. She was on the floor. <laughs> she couldn't believe how funny it was. She was like this, uh, up and down, laughing, rolling around. Reader, I married her. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, but it really made me, it really made me like, oh, this is fun, isn't it? You don't have to, why, why are we all such, you know, maybe this is fun. Anyway, it was a lovely time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what, what a sweet story that comes from one of the most horrible stories <laughs> in the Western canon. 
It's quite something. It's absolutely, it's awful. Yeah. No, well, come on. Um, <laughs> right. I, we are, listen, we're going to have to skip some yeah, of these. Yeah, yeah. Let's do, I guess, why everyone's here. Uh, what's the sexiest film of the decade? Luckily. Now, can I go first? Yeah. Uh, it's Wiener. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> No, our answer is the same. I yeah, believe. it's the same. It's uh, hustlers. Yeah. It's hustlers. That's not. Let's not. Let's not let's fuck not. around. It's J Lo. Have you seen hustlers? I mean, fuck it. It's now. really good. It's really good. It's really good on every level, and it's so good that it's really good on every level. So you can justify <laughs> seeing it. <laughs> and fucking hell, fifty. She's fifty. I love her now. <laughs> She also, the first time you see her do the pole dance, and then the next time you see her is when she's up on the roof and she's yeah. just wearing a fur coat yeah. and smoking. And you're like, oh, God, I think I might need to lie down. Now, in fact, uh, w- uh, one of the questions on here is best cuddle. And one of my answers for best cuddle yeah. is hustlers. Is There's a scene on the roof. She's sat in a big fur coat and the girl, the new girl, comes up and she's shy. And Jennifer Lopez gives her a cuddle in a big fur coat, like puts her between her legs, like cuddles her. And I thought, I've never wanted to be cuddled more. Yeah. Like, that is the, one of the best cuddles. I think uh, about that twice a day. <laughs> like... It really is like, What's sometimes, especially when you're like, it's cold at the moment. If you're out in the street, it's just really cold, and you're like, oh, I just wish JLo would wrap me in a big coat. <laughs> Give me one of your special cuddles. Yeah. <laughs> um, now, there's a subcategory troubling, boner, worrying, why don't of the decade? Well, I have a sort of weirdly, bec- I love Spider Man and have loved <laughs> Spider Man since I was a child. Go on. I have found it very difficult to accept a sexy Aunt May. I found it very difficult to accept, because to me, Aunt May is like, it's not Marissa Tamai, uh, but she's great. But the real troubling boner, and I feel very bad about this, the real troubling boner is Amy Adams in American Hustle, who I think, after I saw that, I was like, that is one of the sexiest performances I have ever seen in a movie. And then afterwards, I read this really horrible interview where she had said she had a really bad time on that film, and she was crying the whole time. And I was just looking at my boner being like, you piece of shit. You absolute, how dare you become aroused when the greatest actor of all time is having a difficult couple of months at work. And so it's not so much troubling as it is guiltiest boner that I've experienced. (laughs) Mine is uh, under the skin. Um, Yeah. Oh, oh, fuck off, you... Lying, lying sack of pricks. You know what he's talking about. Scarlett Johansson is obviously very beautiful and she lures lures men into her her minivan and I think, yeah, I'd get in. And then she... (laughs) And then she takes them to her weird house that's just got gunk everywhere and and the men seem to go, that seems all right. And... uh, And they walk into the, the gunk and I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, and then in the end, it turns out she doesn't have uh, insides or uh, an- anything. And I still fancy her. <laughs> <laughs> this doesn't sound like you're very troubled by this, Bona yeah. Well, the I'm just trying now... to be open. <laughs> well, I, listen, I know, I, I know exactly what you mean. And anyone <laughs> who was making a shrieking noise is lying to themselves. Right. Because we are pushed for a time, let's pick. Best cuddle, we're done. But there's more. Do you want to do one more? One best cuddle? One more? I got one. We, well, I'll say the same one as yours because I think it is probably the best cuddle. Shoplifters. Yeah. Shoplifters. 
I talk about it a lot. I mean, you've I mean, you've all got it. I mean, it's just the best. Little girl. They've got this little girl. They've sort of got this little girl, adopted her. And the mum is cuddling her. Similar pose to the J-Lo <laughs> yeah. pose. And she sees she has uh, scars on her arm, this, this little girl. And she says to her, perhaps you were taught that that is what love is, but that isn't what love feels like. And she cuddles her and she says, that is what love feels like. Oh, boy. Unbelievable. Absolutely oh boy. incredible. Absolutely unbelievable. What a film. All right, let's do... Okay, let's do greatest, because here's the thing. I was thinking about the greatest, not the favourite, the greatest. Yeah. Like Objectively, what is the greatest film of the decade? And the answer came to me, and it hit me hard, and I was annoyed by it, because I don't <laughs> even like this film. I don't like what it did to me. I never want to see it again, but I'm like, it is the greatest film of the decade. I'm genuinely annoyed that it is, but I think it's Inside Out. I think Inside Out, conceptually... Talk me through, talk me through it. Because if you look at everything, it is unbelievably profound. It is literally a film that talks about the human psyche, why we have depression, why sadness is important and not to fight it. The little girl in it, the damage that is done by the mum saying, you need to be a brave girl for daddy. The, that, that fucks her up for life. The, all these things that make up our brain, the conceptualization of a baby and in her head there is one button in the brain and then those buttons grow as light. I mean, it's fucking incredible when you think about it. I With all the things in your head, doing all that work. I don't know that there's ever been a film that's ever depicted human consciousness yeah. like in that way. It is unbelievably... The, yeah, the, the idea at the end, Bing Bong had absolutely ruined me. Yeah. But then when he's sort of like, oh, sadness is a really important part of life. Yeah. You're like, Jesus, are you sure we should be telling children this? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it serious. really... And the, the sort of twist of like all those memories you saw, but oh, actually they God. were all these happy memories, but there was sadness in them. And like, I'll say this, I'll fucking say it here because January soon, it helped me. It helped yeah, my mental yeah. health because I think I spent a lot of time thinking it has to be joy all the time. It has to be joy all the time. Any other emotion means I am failing or I am not well. And this film said, no, you need that shit to balance everything out. And I was like, fuck you, Pixar. <laughs> yeah. No, you Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. I'm annoyed, but it is. I, I mean... What's your one? You can't top Inside Out. <laughs> I'll see your Inside Out, okay. and I'll raise you a baby dice. Roma. I think Roma is... I think if I, if I had to answer good. the question of greatest, yeah. I really feel like, just on every level, I think the characters and the performances are extraordinary. The whole thing you could... I maintain you could print Roma out frame by frame and hang it in a gallery. Every shot is a work of art. Every character feels fully realised. Mm -hmm. And the one weird thing that I've heard is people say, oh, I, really I liked Roma, I sort of really admired it, but it didn't really do anything for me emotionally. I could see looking at it. Those people need to be on some sort of register because <laughs> it's sort of the most, I, I don't know, like it, it was such an odd thing to be experiencing something that's so aesthetically beautiful and so precise in the way that it's composed and the shot list, but also to realise it's absolutely smashed you in the gut. And the end, the, that final scene, well, not the final scene, the scene in the water when she goes into the water. Unbelievable. How do they do it? How, how do they do it? I don't, do it? It's amazing. It's incredibly shot. But it, what's incredible about it is it's only in retrospect you go, wow, it's amazing that they managed to... But because yeah. at the time, it, they've already killed a baby. Yeah, Why wouldn't all the characters die? Yeah. And so it is sheer terror at that last... And it, uh, 
there's a part of me that thinks the poster that they've shown shouldn't exist in a way because it sort of gives away the fact that people survive. But honestly, that was the only thing I clung to <laughs> yeah. when I was watching it because I was sick with terror. And then I was like, I, I thought, I think I've seen him on the beach. <laughs> it's going to be okay. I saw the they poster. They wouldn't make up a poster, I saw the they? poster. I saw the poster on the beach. Because it, the end is absolutely harrowing. I, I think the performances are extraordinary. I think the film looks like a work of art. I think if you're like, for me, greatest film of the decade, I think for me, there was, there was only ever one answer. Yeah. Well, it's the wrong answer, but it is. <laughs> no, it's so close. It's so close. It's, it's number two, but Inside Out is the one. Um. <laughs> Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen? What's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NYFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree, or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right! They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre, and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia, and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Hello, my neighbour Maureen. What's this I hear about you getting a promotion at the office? Didn't you just get promoted last month? It's all thanks to Canva. I've been nailing every meeting with AI-powered Canva presentations. Isn't that Canva's AI slide generator where you just describe your presentation in a few words and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds? That's right. And to top it off, I use Magic Write, Canva's AI text generator, to perfect my points. Sounds brilliant, Maureen. No more copying and pasting from other programs. No more app switching. Can Canva Docs with Magic Write generate any text you want for work? Yes. Sales proposals, marketing plans? Yeah. Meeting agendas, ratings of all 12 Muppet movies using the extensive point system that I developed at age 12. Anyone can save time with Canva's AI-powered tools. Generate your draft fast with Canva Docs at canva.com designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour, Maureen. Yeah, thank you. All right, I think we should uh, go to the audience. Yeah. Yeah, how do you feel about that? Oh, quickly, favourite, not greatest, favourite. Uh, favourite, get out. Favourite. The favorite, Florida, the favorite was favorite was get out because you know, I was really trying to sort of you you, you really try and it's, it's it's an impossible thing to try and assess like compare these different movies but if I think about what I love about movies get out was all of it it was everything that I love about film because I love the capacity that films have to make you discuss really complicated and difficult issues I love the fact that you can go on a journey with characters and you know that the moment at the end 
when he's holding her by the throat and the red and blue lights flash and you felt an audience gasp and you felt an audience, I saw it in quite a mixed audience and when everyone, when the people who aren't black in the room, when we gasp, you suddenly go, fuck me. That has shifted something about that. It's communicated something so potent and powerful about the African-American experience. It's done something so incredible. But also, it's so fucking entertaining. It's a proper thrill ride. It's so funny. The speech that culminates in the phrase, that's Jeffrey Dahmer's business, is as funny as anything. T.S. motherfucking A. Like, it's every single element of it is so entertaining. The uh, script is brilliant. The performances are incredible. And if we did this podcast two more times... I would vote for Get Out a third time if I could. I think it's the absolute, my favourite, my favourite, favourite, favourite. Love it, love it. And my favourite is The Florida Project, oh. which is, uh, well, well, you know, if you haven't seen it, sort, sort yourselves out. Please see um, The Florida Project. It's, it's so really fucking good. Film. And I think it's important. Cinema, what it showed me, that thing of, it's like humanitarian, what's the word? Humanistic. Humanistic. Yeah. Is that you watch uh, a, a world that you don't know, that you have not experienced. And, and I've said this I once went on a course for writing. I didn't learn much, but there was one thing that he said that always stuck with me. He said, a writer has to love all of their characters, no matter who their characters are. So if you're writing Hitler, you, the writer, have to love Hitler. It doesn't mean your character's a good person, but you have to love them. Florida Project is a perfect example of someone making a film where he loves everyone. There's so much love and patience and respect for all of these characters in this Anyway, fuck me, it's good. It's <laughs> Go and really see it. Good. I saw it. I couldn't believe it. I went back. I went back because it some d- happens rarely where you're like, I think that might be one of the top 10 greatest films I've ever seen. Yeah. Am I wrong? And I went back two days later. I was like, no, I'm not wrong. Thank <laughs> you. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do a bit with you guys, shall we? Who, who would like to share with us a film that meant the most to you this decade? You're right to leave. Um, <laughs> thank you. It's late. It is late. It is you're late. late. Well, happy Christmas. And I hope you're right. Thank you for coming. Uh, who would anyone like to go? We'll do this. Only we'll do ten minutes of it, and then we'll we'll have a party. You you sir, you you sir. If we could start. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Um, Moonlight was one that really struck me. Love Moonlight. Yeah. It's just told a story of uh, a part of the world and a, that I know nothing about in a way that I've never been seen before, personally. So I thought it was amazing. Moonlight is 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 top ten of the decade. Correct. <laughs> ten points for this man. <laughs> It would definitely be easily a candidate for greatest film in terms of, again, like, if you're trying to explain yeah. to people what movies are, Moonlight is pretty much as good a place as any to start. Yeah. Really might moon, It might be Moonlight. Uh, who, who next? There was someone... Uh, there's, oh, dear. There's this lady here. I recognise her. <laughs> what's your name? Ta- Tara. Hello, Tara. Do you, what's, your, what's your place in this world? You're my brother. Yes. <laughs> 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 Hello, Tara. We meet again. Oh. <laughs> yeah. oh, I really like you. Oh, I like you too. Oh. We should hang out. We should. Uh, Christmas? Sure. Okay. <laughs> See you there. Toy Story 4. Oh, yeah. Oh. Oh, go on. I don't know. Any thoughts? <laughs> no. Have the... you seen it? I have seen it, yeah. Did you not cry? I hate to say this. I, d- I didn't. It was the I first Toy Story so I did. not Really? Yeah, but then. Did you, you not know, get it? It's... I don't think I got it. It's about letting go. It's about letting That's go. That's why I didn't engage with it. Right. Yeah. 
it's I about... I'm not going through this again, Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> it's about parenthood and letting go. Uh, yeah. And Gabby, Gabby can't have babies. And then she... Like, that is what it's about. Yeah, you're fucking right. I Gabby, know. Gabby is a... She's infertile. A, she's she's inf- born with a problem. Yeah. Oh, man, it's so sad. <laughs> oh, my God, you've really put January a new so and dark complexion on this. <laughs> Should we go to group yeah. therapy, you, me, and Tara? Yeah, maybe. Okay. Thank also, you, Key and Peel are great in it. Key yeah, and they are, are in great it. in it. And they're just being oh, Key and Peel. There's a lady here who would like to go. Sorry, so there's a, uh, there's a And lady. there's some hands up on oh. the other side as well. Thank you, Tara. You um, see me after. <laughs> <laughs> see me after. Um, so for me, it's Paddington 2. Oh. Oh. Yeah. What a film. So good. Lovely movie. Perfect film. Um, I saw it with my sister and our parents and a Hello. couple of other friends. And there was a moment at the end, I don't want to spoil, but I'll just say Aunt Lucy. Yeah. Um, and we all just looked over at each other and we were all unanimous, unanimously sobbing. Yeah. And it was one of those moments that we all just shared and it's amazing. Oh, that is lovely. It's I really fucking lovely. love Paddington 2. <laughs> Also, it all came oh, out... Sorry. I hate to oh, raise the spectre of the B word, but, like, it all came out... It was very post-Brexit. Like, this movie has got about five extra layers, and none of them are good. <laughs> <laughs> Who was next? Oh, this, this man on the end. We go, we'll go and there's then we'll some, go also some people at the top. We'll oh, there's a lady's already sorry. got a microphone. She's prime. Oh, you, hello. Oh, hello. Oh. Sorry. Hello. Uh, yeah, I was thinking Cold War that came out last year. Oh. I love... Cold War. Good. Love Cold War. It was, it was so pretty. Everything about it was so pretty. <laughs> it's very pretty and the, the, the whole, you know, the, the, their entire love story just, yeah. just, just, you know, yeah, in, in, in a very short space of time. In under 90 minutes, that film has some lessons to teach. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah I That's love what... Cold War. I have the poster on my wall and everything. <laughs> love it. Sexy as well. It's got the lot. So, sorry, so there's someone over here. Is there... Hello. Hi. Hi. Am I related to you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to say, I think one of the films that made me cry the most was Manchester by the Sea. (laughs) Christ. And favourite, Call Me By Your Name. What was it? Oh, Call Me By Your Name. Oh, that's a great movie. It's been a great decade. (laughs) Manchester by the Sea, uh, yeah, it's so sad. And what, at some point in it, I was so upset and I was crying and I thought, someone's made this up. Like, why have you done this? <laughs> why have you sat down to write this, you mad bastard? It's so sad. Oh, that's good. Who's next? Hi. Hello. Um, I just wanted to tell everyone to go and see uh, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Because uh, I feel like not many people saw it. And I saw it at the London Film Festival and it was just... Probably my, one of my favourite films of all time, like the oh, most wow. beautiful film ever. So, yeah, go and see it if you haven't. And that's an chance. order. <laughs> Please. <laughs> oh, great, thank you. Uh, who, 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 who's got a mic? Uh, Christopher Robin. Ooh. I didn't see Left that. Leftfield. <laughs> yes, go on. I just really liked it. I thought it was just such a incredible film about um, this like roller coaster adventure story where um, he's now an adult and and sort of reliving stuff that he kind of missed out on and then like the end scene where he's like sitting with Winnie the Pooh on this like um, this log and yeah. and Winnie the Pooh I can't even remember who the the actor is who plays Winnie the Pooh but just got such like a quaint soft I think wonderful it's the, the real Winnie the Pooh, as in 
I think it's the same voice that was from the cartoon and the real Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> I I didn't see it because I was I knew it was going to make me cry. And yeah, it, sounded it made like, me cry as well. Yeah, so, it sounds yeah. like Winnie the Pooh hook. I thought that's what it was. <laughs> um, thank you. All right, let's just do. We'll do two more, and then we'll do a. Do, there's a. Oh God, there's too many of you. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to leave people out. But hello. Hello. What we do in the shadows? It made me laugh. Oh, so lovely stuff. That opening lovely. scene with vampires don't do dishes. Fucking <laughs> kills me every time. And we're, we're, Peter in a spinal column. It's so great. We're werewolves, not swearwolves. Exactly. Uh, and the TV show it. was as good. Yeah. So funny. Oh, the scene where he's doing a dance and yeah. then someone bursts in and he says, what are you doing? I'm trying to do a sexy dance with my friends. <laughs> That's one of the most I've laughed at anything. It makes me laugh oh, every it's, time. It's a, oh, it's an absolute... Oh, he's had a good decade. He, he's been a very good boy. Uh, my has been a very good oh, little oh, boy. Oh, oh God! Uh, this this person here, who, who you may, you you pick. <laughs> I can't take the responsibility. <laughs> Hello. Hello. I might be the only person in the world that saw this movie, Beasts of the Southern Wild. I fucking love it Beasts of the Southern Wild. I haven't seen this. You saw it, didn't you? It's one of my favourite last lines to a film ever. Yeah, I saw it on what a plane. What a beauty! Thought that was cheating. It broke me. Thought that was cheating. So yeah. I went back and saw it at the cinema a couple of days later. Broke me again. Yeah. Then when it came out on DVD, I was broken at the soundtrack on the DVD oh, trailer. Wow. And now they use the soundtrack in like energy commercials. Oh. And it comes up, it's just, it's, it's just, it's not fair. It's oh, cheating. Oh man, I'm like, so sorry. Yeah. But I'm so glad. I Capitalism. Thought I, was, I thought I was the only one that had seen hey, it. Hey Brett, can you stop stealing my material? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was the only next year, we'll having a, next year we'll be having a go at Whitey <laughs> <laughs> right you should all have a double bill Last Black Man in San Francisco and Beast of Seven World oh yeah Woo, what a Christmas day um, <laughs> hi yeah hi there. so um, it's already been mentioned a lot but um, Inside Out again yes um, yeah. it was the first film that my daughter went and saw <gasps> we took oh. my daughter how to old was she when you went she was two Two, oh, two years old. Wow. And, and we've talk, you've talked about how Disney and Pixar are trying to do all these like, really high concept, like yeah. Coco and everything. But, I mean, she was so engaged. From, from get-go, wow. she was laughing at all the right points, you know. She yeah. seemed to be totally getting it. And then we were at a, <laughs> a packed cinema like this. And um, it's bing-bong again. It's going to get us. <laughs> oh, bing-bong. And, um, Just you know, bing-bong. It, he, he waves, he waves goodbye, and he fades. And everybody, all the adults are trying you know, trying to keep it together. And then my daughter just says, bye-bye, bing-bong. Oh. <laughs> exactly. And we, we, we all just, like, me and my friends, we're just, like, bawling our eyes out. It's just too much. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that'll always, always have a really special moment. <laughs> oh, boy. Just this little forlorn voice. Out well of done, the mate. You've told that story, and you've made me and Brett recreate the end of Roma. <laughs> Cheers very much. Oh, boy. Shall we do a sing-along? Yeah. You love a sing-along? Well, this is your special night. (laughs) I thought, since it's Christmas... And it's the it is the great the greatest film of all time is the Muppet Christmas Carol. I I thought we would me the hat. uh, We would we would together perhaps stand up and uh, sing. You might feel less awkward if you all stand up. Uh, I don't feel awkward. I got no fucking shame. Let's all do this. (laughs) And clearly Um, Brett doesn't either, by the sounds of his wiener chat. (laughs) Brett, my massive head is too big for this hat. Oh my god. 
Have you got a fake beard as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, you got a fake beard! It does work! It works? Alright, let's, yeah. let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, Merry Christmas. Let's sing. Uh, doesn't it feel like Christmas? <laughs> Kick it! That was episode 273 of Films to be Buried with, starring Nish Kumar, recorded live at London's BFI. Subscribe to the podcast on Patreon over at patreon.com slash Goldstein for extended ad-free episodes and video options. Or by all means, feel free to drop by Apple Podcasts and leave a review of one of your favourite films. Reviews of the podcast are awesome, but it's always more fun to talk about the films you love. So join in on that if you feel it. Thanks so much to Nish for joining the podcast. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. I did the edits and production. Uh, thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell's Big Money Players Network for hosting the podcast. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the artwork and to Lisa Lydon for the photography. Join us next week for more films to be buried with goodness. But until then, that is it for now. Have a lovely week and please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor? Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.